Welcome, welcome to episode 20 of our Friends the Anthology, Panton at the Opera, part of the Wishbone series. I'm Ron. I'm David. Yes, that's important. This is episode three out of four of Wishbone. All right, let's start off by talking about how much you love this episode. I, I, this is my favorite so far. Yeah. But for all the wrong reasons. Ah. For most of the wrong reasons. Soccer's performance in this was really good. Yeah. Also, I didn't have to watch that girl that I don't like. That's that lady true. that I don't she like. She was in it, but not for long. Right. I Okay, so let me start off by saying why I picked this episode. I remember this episode distinctly because... Did it scare the crap out of you? It scared the shit out of me as a little kid. Just something about the Phantom removing his mask and having that cottage cheese-like texture is the only way I know how to describe it underneath the mask. It really freaked me out. It's funny because they they do the mask reveal and then they cut back to reality and then they cut back to the mask reveal. I thought they just weren't going to show it to us. Yeah. But they cut back and now it's it's like he was walking around like that for a good half hour yeah it takes away all the <laughs> they tension don't, they don't hide or hide it or try and like cut around it they're just they're showing it to you at first i thought yeah like maybe it's so scary they can only show a little bit but no just just cut away but it's not just the it's not just after he takes his mask off it's also the lead up to that sort of not showing him they they show his hands doing things and kind of maliciously nefariously and the music is this dark deep operatic music that you reminded me of phantom of the opera yeah yeah i think that's a fair comparison me too (laughs) it is weird seeing phantom of the opera told without the anthony lloyd weber music Mm. i think that the framing story in this episode was in many ways the strongest story yeah, it's it's the least PBS, though. In a way, I think it's focused on the library and sort of the reverence it has for libraries is very PBS. Oh, that's fair. But what's what's your point? Well, because it's it's really sensationalized. All the other episodes were, oh, you know, there's a pound and this dog needs a home or are we going to win the soccer game, you know, or whatever, you know. Just yeah. very, uh, I think those are the only two episodes actually that I can draw from. <laughs> but this actually is, pretends to be a ghost story for a while. This frame device, you know, I, I know that you kind of laughed at it. It, it is, it's laughable, it's silly. You know what's really funny? It's very dramatic when they cut back to the normal life stuff, yeah. to the frame story, versus cutting into the opera, like to to a classic piece of literature which is super dramatic it's more like the dramatic thing is when they cut back to the real life they play this real big swell of music like what's going on now the stakes feel higher in this library it's insane i love this framing device because at the time as i was watching wishbone i was obsessed with the hardy boys (laughs) and nancy drew those sort of young adult mystery novels were just my favorite i read basically all the Hardy Boys. And this framing device is so Hardy Boys in nature, you know, just sort of the criminal who has like an authentic motive. A really mundane crime. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also the twists, you know, the fact that this elderly librarian has faked his own death. I wrote the letter. Yeah, spoilers. But, you know, just the way it comes out and the fact that 
there's that twist and as a kid you're like oh that was really smart writing the letter to fake your own death so that yeah all right maybe you're a smarter <laughs> you're a kid bright than me. kid were you planning on you're like i'll store that away for later if i ever need to fake my own death yeah <laughs> all it takes is a letter <laughs> and then i can go and do whatever i want i'll i gotta tell you i got such a kick out of watching before the the ghost story really kicks in all the the drama around library happenings yeah was just killed me man oh it was hysterical she gets a call he's like what okay i'll meet you at the library like there's no time get it get here as fast as you can and all volume's been stolen and also the kids being like we'll come too and the mom's clearly like making some calculation in her head and there's like there's no time to find a sitter i have to bring these kids with me it's too dangerous at the library somebody couldn't find a book oh my god it's chaos what irresponsible parenting to the fact that they get to the library and she's like i'm gonna camp out with this possible dangerous criminal ghost the, criminal yeah. on the loose but she brings her friend in the cop yeah uh, who's mean, really incompetent even just the fact that she lets the kids stay up until midnight we don't know if it's yeah. a school night yeah also she's she lifts uh she relaxes the rules about the dog being in the library that's true She's like, we need all the protection we can get. Wishbones are attack dog. That's bad parenting. Yeah. Give a kid an inch. Yeah. Next give a mouse a know. cookie. Yeah. Although here's my problem with the give a mouse a cookie thing. Because they're like, give a mouse a cookie and he's going to want a glass of milk. Okay. Like all this stuff and, and so on and so forth. How big of a glass? So what? It's like a tiny thimble sized glass of milk. Like <laughs> what's the big deal? Come on. Oh, and he's going to make a mess. Yeah. Like. You can vacuum that in a second. Okay, what is the real problem here? Listen, I got to tell you, uh, in this episode, we learn that every librarian just wants to be famous. Yeah. And I think that's an important lesson. That's why librarians do it. It's it's for the (laughs) The fame. fame. Yeah, the celebrity. Also, the greatest weakness of librarians is they can only carry one volume of a large book at a time. Oh, so, so tragic. (laughs) And are unaware of an invention called backpacks. <laughs> it's sad. It's pretty sad how underfunded this police force is. <laughs> he shows up and the neighbor has all these devices. And this guy is just so envious. You can tell that the allocation of the funds is pretty poor. As a kid, though, I thought that that neighbor with their sort of private detective magazine was the coolest thing ever. I wasn't that neighbor kind of a villain. Like, don't you not like her? So in that in that first episode we watched, yeah, she because she doesn't like Wishbone. She reports the dogs for playing around. So she's an antagonist. Yeah, they pre play pretty fast and loose with that. Okay. So in the Phantom of the Opera story, it turns out that guy has never been kissed, which is, I think, true of the original novel. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh. I think I know where the movie Never Been Kissed gets its inspiration. Uh Uh-huh. It's true. The classic French novel, Phantom of the Opera. By way of Wishbone. Oh. Was this before or after Never Been Kissed? What year was Never Been Kissed? What research did you do for this episode? Come on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You knew I'd bring this up. I wanted him to play Take Me Out to the Ball Game on the organ at the end of the episode. Actually, I was thinking that too. I, I really expected him to break into some sort of recognizable tune. Kind of shed the tension. Uh, I just, I love that that police officer is basically a cartoon character. Yeah. 
That's what we call a noise. <laughs> it was kind of funny, actually. It's just interesting examining adults and the way that they function inside of kids' shows. Like, you have, you have Charlie Brown, right, where the adults are just sort of non-existent. Or when they talk, they're... It's inaudible. Yeah. And I feel like in Wishbone, you have these adults that they seemingly lead these, like, really drama-filled, excitement-filled lives. Like, Cho's mom is a librarian, and she's at home, and she has to rush to work to solve this crisis... Much like, you know, when you're a kid, you'll experience your parent doing. And the reason for this crisis is this dramatic, like, threats left on library pages. And it's this larger-than-life thing that would never happen in real life. But as a kid, I feel like that's what you kind of picture your parents being called away to solve. Like, as a kid, you don't realize the mundanity of your parents' job. You know, like, as a librarian, yeah, her day-to-day concerns are like, budgets and like meeting quotas of books being you know it's boring but as an adult they we just lost they, four listeners <laughs> as an adult they leave these like as a kid you think that these adults leave these high stake excitement filled lives right and so i feel like the representation of adults in wishbone but it's only in this episode yeah. i think you're just pointing out that this episode breaks form i'm not arguing I'm not arguing that the entire series accomplishes this at all. Oh, okay. You're I'm just saying, saying that this it, particular that, episode. That kids entertain. But you're kind of pointing out a flaw of kids entertainment. Which is what? Which is that they, they, they sensationalize things. I get what you're saying about like a, the psychology of kids. And I think that's really interesting. Because it's true. But it's all, but also adults do that. And, Every TV show dramatizes because like look at The Office. They make it sound like selling paper is important, you know, but they don't. I think The Office. Well, they they make a joke yeah. of it, too. But but a lot of stuff happens at that office. There's like no way that the, that's not a real representation of a workplace. No, but I think that's from an adult perspective. That's creating it like a workplace comedy for adults yeah. is taking aspects that adults are familiar familiar with and exaggerating them yeah for entertainment and i think that from the perspective of the kid it's fundamentally different because the kid doesn't realize that the the kid is like far more fantastical yeah it's like completely separated from reality right instead of just being exaggerated i'm not saying that this episode is indicative of all of wishbone or that thematically even this applies to wishbone as a whole i'm just saying this is why i find this episode interesting and yeah i haven't seen i think no i i'm being sincere i I sincerely think this was my favorite uh first of all i think it's an interesting point i never thought about that and then second i this is probably my favorite episode of wishbone you know this episode really hit me hard as a kid like i remember this episode this was one of my favorite episodes and it's really interesting going back to it as an adult and you know, I know that you were laughing at parts that, as a kid, I didn't laugh at. I you know. know. You you were getting enjoyment from it on another level. And I I don't think necessarily that level was intentional, obviously. Yeah. But I think... Very perceptive of you. <laughs> I think it's still okay that that was a side effect. You know, yeah. I, if, it, if it connects with kids and if adults can, like, laugh at it, you don't have to be laughing with it. 
if you can just laugh at it at the absurdity of it yeah then i think that's yeah that's, that's better than an adult just being like oh this is a horrible kids show and a right. kid like teletubbies you know, where yeah. you're not laughing you're a little bit scared <laughs> yeah i really enjoyed going back to this episode and it was different than i remembered but i i, I did St- have very still scary though oh yeah yeah i haven't slept in days <laughs> i'm I had to watch Saw before I went to sleep. <laughs> to calm you down. Yeah. The, okay, so the pitfall of Wishbone is that they'll do Romeo and Juliet or Fan of the Op- Phantom of the Opera. And they'll cut into those stories and then they'll also tell that real life story, like the whole thing at the library. And they don't blend at all. I really would love to see a version where it the line blurs because it breaks up any moment it's very just it's very jarring or not jarring that's too strong of a word but it's it's disjointed and even when they thematically tie into each other it's it's very flimsy to me and i i don't like the literary things for some reason i actually do find because that has stakes like we know that this is just a play being performed for us with phantom of the opera romeo and juliet or uh joan of arc's story and it's also, a, those stories are immensely complicated and they have to brush over so many plot points that it robs it of any value to me. The idea of introducing it to kids is an honorable one. The execution, I find, lacking. That's fair. And specifically watching this Phantom of the Opera episode, I was thinking to myself, okay, what did I actually take from this Phantom of the Opera narrative? And because I went from seeing Wishbone at the age of, I don't know, six or seven, to eventually I did see the Broadway. You were going to say 19, but whatever. (laughs) Eventually I did see the Broadway play in high school and I dimly, dimly recalled this Wishbone episode. And sure, like the themes aren't there and they're just, yeah, important plot points missing, but I still was able to go into the family opera and I knew on some level what to expect. I didn't understand the love triangle, but, but I understood a bit of what I was in for. And I think that that's, that's a value. Well, let me ask you this. Were you, after watching any Wishbone episodes, did you ever seek out the actual story? Yeah, actually. As so, a kid, I read a lot of the great illustrated classics. Do you remember those? No. Uh, they were sort of these hardbound, abridged versions of classics that were illustrated. Oh, I think I had one for White Fang. Yeah, yeah, that was one of them. And, you know, I'm not saying that I immediately sought them out, but the ones that I'd seen on Wishbone, the ones you have some sort of familiarity with, you at least know the title, you know the characters. Yeah, I think that those were the ones I was most likely to... So that's really cool, because that's the whole purpose of this show, really. Yeah. And if nothing else, it cultivates... It makes you aware of these works of literature, and it, it makes you aware of their importance, and that they're out there, and... And that wishbone likes to pretend he's in them. Yeah, it gives a sense of excitement to them. And I think that if you just look at this episode where you see that the reverence wishbone has for the library, he walks in the library and he's like, ah, oh, there are so many stories here, you know. I think that's really important, just a show about something where, like, literature is important. You know, you just don't see that anymore. Also reminds me that my dog sucks. <laughs> I take my dog to the library... Does not bat an eye. It just shits everywhere. Whoa. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that part I like. 
I think it's funny. I'm glad you liked this episode. And uh, next week's episode is going to be Homer Sweet Homer. Homer Sweet Homer. It's going to be about the Odyssey. Oh, okay. That's not a good pun title. I'm sorry. We had Bone of Arc. What was the Romeo? Rosio. Rosio, Rosio. Yeah. So it rhymes with Romeo. I don't want to get into this right now. I'm very <laughs> upset. And very tired. See you next time and have an amazing week. <laughs>